Hello and welcome to your Over the Farmgate podcast brought to you by Farmers Guardian. I'm your host for this week, FG Business Reporter Alex Black. Don't forget we'll bring you a new episode of the podcast every Tuesday. Just make sure that you're subscribed on your favourite platform. This week we'll be talking more about Farmers Guardian's Farming Can campaign. Following on from last week's episode on how farming can deliver rewarding careers for all, no matter what your background is, we speak to TV and radio presenter George Lamb, whose latest project is focusing on teaching children the value of food. But first, with prices still well ahead of last year across both sheep and cattle rings at auction, I spoke to the Livestock Auctioneers Association's Chris Dodds and auctioneer Alistair Brown to find out more about what was going on at the marts. Chris, obviously we're still living under COVID restrictions. Do you want to give us a bit of an update of uh, where we are with Marts at the moment? Um, yeah, thanks, Alex. Um, yeah, Marts are operating really well. Um, clearly the uh, situation is, is, is to a large degree um, uh, relaxed or is noticeably relaxed to where it was six months ago. Um, however, uh, we've got to be very conscious that uh, market operators have to comply with the the rules of social distancing, um, which means that the doors cannot, in most instances, be open to the extent that they would in a normal year. Um, so we're asking our vendors to uh, respect that and to work with the auctioneers to find a workable way of them being able to uh, represent their stock whilst at the same time ensuring that social distancing is, is adhered to. Um, so it's all about managing the situation on the ground and our clients uh, working with us as they have throughout the whole pandemic uh, to try and make it um, possible for everyone to uh, use and make the most of the market on a day-to-day basis. And um, throughout the restrictions, you know, Marts have been able to you know, remain as, a, as an essential service for, for the farming industry. How important has it been that the marts have remained open for, for people to sell their stock? Well, I think it's been vital. I mean, it's, um, it's a direct link for um, the largest majority of our, our farmers um, to the marketplace, you know, whether that be stock to slaughter or whether it be stock to feeding people uh, who would then take it on to slaughter or indeed replacement breeding animals. Um, and... Uh, uh, you know that we would have been uh, in complete chaos trying to uh, ensure that the shelves were full of food uh, had the markets not been there and and of course we've seen the marts uh, driving and um, establishing values throughout the pandemic which have been uh, exceptionally strong yeah i suppose with that you know we've heard that the sort of independent butchers and and that kind of area of the retail market have, have done really well in the pandemic and, and the marts are obviously very important to, to those um, buyers, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the, the, those butchers that you refer to and the, and the um, uh, smaller retailers uh, want to come and choose the, the animal that they want for their shops. Um, they can't afford to have uh, animals sent directly into them and too many of them falling out of spec. So using the market facilitates them actually coming to, to buy, quite often to buy from, from farmers, producers that they know their stock um, uh, are, are, are good in the first place uh, and die well and, and are as they want when they present them to the housewife on their shelves. So for those people, it's been really important. And, and we've seen more of that type of customer appearing in the markets because uh, 
um, you know, the, the marts have got what they want and um, their demand on their shop floor has been really good, really strong from the housewives throughout the pandemic. And Alistair, how have you found it, you know, interacting with people and how important they've found that your, your doors are open? It's been vital for all the farmers with this lockdown uh, in what we've just had the pandemic and we're still going through it now. But I think farmers have been able to get out to uh, the marts and see that we're doing an exceptional job for them. Um, the buyers, again, can choose what they want, not just get, as Chris said earlier, uh, get sent whatever they've got in the fields. Um, so it's just been you know, really nice and the trade has been excellent. Prices have been good. Um, it's, it's been quite a pleasure to be an auctioneer for, for a change. Uh, and even seeing smiley, smiley farmers about, which is very good to see. And all realistically coming back to the livestock markets, which is very, very, it's great to see. And, you know, you say there about the exceptional prices. If we get on to our market update, do you want to tell us a little bit about what's going on in the prime sheep markets, first of all? Yeah, I mean, we um, were looking pre-Brexit last year at something possibly, you know, quite disastrous. But um, unbeknown to any of us, things have taken such a lift we've never seen before. Talking to farmers today at Mark, we have, um, I said to one, he said, how are the prices today? I said, you've never had them so good. And he said, you're absolutely right. It's excellent to see. And when we're talking three pound plus kilo for, you know, lambs and coming to 116 pounds to average, we averaged 137 pound of life today for spring lambs. It's just uh, amazing. We've, we've never seen it uh, before, which is, which is great. And it's given options, opened options back up and made people realize how important we are to, you know, all the farmers in the in the country. And I know obviously we've we've come back um, looking at the national trends, we've come back a little bit off that off the um, peaks that we saw. But um where where are we with prices, you know, compared to compared to normal years? We're still well above, you know, that five year average and that last year's prices. Yeah. Just just briefly looking this year to last year, spring lambs are probably between thirty and forty pounds per head more this year. And, you know, if we look across to, to the cattle, cattle rings as well, I mean, what have we been seeing for cattle prices? Yeah, again, we, we've obviously weather dependent with store cattle and things like that is often the case. Um, numbers, we've got TB issues, which uh, are decline numbers into the marts. Um, but again, price wise, I would say a sim simple store animal is probably at least £100 dearer this year than last year, um, from six months old to. Uh, two-year-old which is it, the confidence is in the beef and the beef trade has been very very good um, so that's given people confidence to go out and buy buy store cattle the grass is slowly come now and the abundance of grass now so people are able to turn the cattle out into fields of lush grass and uh, it's all, all looking rosy really yeah because i know sort of a few few weeks ago in in april we were all looking at the, at the weather and at the grass you know thinking oh you know we need some rain we've had plenty of it in may time haven't we the grass should be flourishing now hopefully well it, it is you know and we, we're finding that farmers now this, just just this week will be out in the fields cutting grass so they won't be coming to the market so numbers will just decline a little i should imagine but you know fantastic weather now 
uh, for them to go out and do what they want to do. It's just hopefully now there's, we've had some rain and we've had some sunshine, it doesn't go start raining again, or we need some rain perhaps. And there's, it's quite funny listening to farmers, two days of hot sunshine, they soon change their mind thinking they want some uh, rain again. And Chris, I don't know if you want to bring in any thoughts about, you know, nationally that where prices are and, and what trends we're seeing at the moment. Well, I think it's just as Alistair said, that that's the national trend, isn't it? Um, uh, but, uh, you know, we can't as, as auctioneers, um, we can't stress enough that uh, competition has uh, and open, transparent trade has, has created what we've got today. Um, and there is no other platform available um, uh, like the auction mark system that is so transparent. Um, at the end of the day, we as auctioneers work for the farmer to achieve the best price we can in the ring. Uh, and we earn our commission through doing that. Um, so, um, you know, it's, uh, it's been, it's been a, a good season. You know, we've, we've got to look forward. We've got to look to what is coming or might come or might not come in the future. And clearly we're all sitting down now wondering um, what... Um, Liz Truss and others and, and, and our Prime Minister will or won't do with Scott Morrison from Australia, the Prime Minister from Australia and trade deals and, you know, um, as a farming community, will we or won't we be protected against um, a free flow of Australian product into the UK that damages damages our, um, our production lines? So, um, you know, it, it, we've seen that the demand in the UK is high and strong and people have faith in, in and trust in uh, British product. Uh, and what we can't allow to happen uh, is for that to be undermined by imports that um, uh, are allowed to come in under less um, pro or, or lower production uh, health and welfare standards as we might have uh, imposed on us in the UK. Um, but that's a that's something for the future. Um, I think worldwide there's a shortage of red meat. Um, so uh, you would expect trade to stay fairly strong into the uh, short to medium term anyway. Brilliant. And, and bringing it maybe, maybe more local than, than um, Australia, Alistair, what are you expecting to happen over the coming weeks and, weeks and months? Great question. Not really sure. <laughs> it's... it's <laughs> Um, hopefully, we, we're really hoping that we'll carry on with this trade all the way through the summer. There's obviously going to be uh, supply and demand pressure, so there's going to be a lot of lambs that will come forward in this good weather and put pressure on uh, on selling the, the lamb. Um, if people don't go away on holiday, we might keep everybody in this country and they might meet, eat a little bit more lamb um, and beef as well. So I, it looks... I believe it looks very good for our future, certainly this year, uh, of good prices. Um, so hopefully we'll, we, we can keep our fingers crossed and this, this, that will happen. And obviously we touched on the, on the prime trade there. I mean, is there, are you expecting there to be a, an impact, you know, outside of, outside of the prime trade, you know, on the breeding, breeding sales and things as we come up to, up to that time? Yeah, another huge question again there. Um, it looks the way if, if we have, if we sell lambs at a good price, there's been a lot of ewes killed this year, um, I believe. So there'll be a needing a lot of replacements for uh, the autumn sales. So I think there'll be a, um, another good trade for those 
at the back end, um, looking to be, you know, quite another perhaps 10, 15, 20 pound deal than they were last year, which was a good sales, good, good sales again. Hopefully, you know, we're coming to the end of the, you know, touch wood, the, the restrictions. Uh, what are you looking forward to if, you know, when, once these restrictions eased and you can get people uh, back, back, in the, back in the marts, not just on a business basis? Yeah, going back to what I said earlier about these days, the markets are not just for buying and selling, it's an actual rural hub. And to get farmers back in and, and people who trade with us, you know, to, for, for their own sort of sanity, to see people to speak to their own farming fraternity and, uh, you know, just find out what's, what's going on next door and things like that, which they've not been able to really. They've been stuck down the, the driveways on the farms, like a lot of people in the towns. But, um, you know, Marts do have a collection of farmers who do like to get around the, rest, rest, the cafe table and, you know, to tell them how, how terrible things are and this, that and the other. Um, and probably they, they come to the market and they say, well, this is terrible. I've had a terrible day. And they speak to somebody else in the market. His day's probably even worse. So it's actually cheered the first farmer up. <laughs> and, and, and that's, you know, what farmers need. I think it's a, it's a rural hub where, you know, we, we're all in the same business. We all need to talk, talk together and, and, and know what we're all doing. And I suppose outside of that social aspect, Chris, I know we often talk about, you know, benchmarking and, and the value of the, of the marts for, you know, finding out, you know, what's, it, what's in demand and what, what your neighbours are doing. You know, is that a valuable thing that you're looking forward to coming back once we can uh, get back around the Orchard Cafe table? Yeah, absolutely, Alex. It's, um, it's a really important part of ours and, and you know, we're told by everyone uh, uh, up and down the chain that farmers should benchmark and everything else well there is not a better place to benchmark than in the live auction ring where you see the other type bred um, reared um, uh, different farming practices going on and you can compare your own product to theirs the buyers are there and they can give you comment on whether they're good bad or indifferent you know what they would like to see as a buyer is uh, to, to progress and get your stock better. Uh, I mean, it's a fantastic place for that. But, you know, as Alistair said, I think one thing that all our auctioneers are, are really looking forward to is that ability to give the farmers that social aspect of, of the auction mart as well, because farming, whether we uh, want to appreciate it or not, is a particularly lonely life. And um, farmers need the interaction and the auction mart's a fantastic place for that. You know, wh whether it's stood around the ring talking or s sitting in the cafe, having lunch or, or breakfast together, um, it's, uh, it's much needed and it's been massively missed. And uh, there are an awful lot of farmers that um, uh, could just do with that lift of being able to um, uh, talk to their colleagues and their friends again in the way that they're accustomed to. Thanks to Chris and Alistair for their analysis and hopefully it will all be gathering around the table at the Auction Mart Cafe very soon. Connecting with people makes us who we are and we want to connect with you. Over the next few weeks, Catch our connected stream series on Lama365.com to find out about the people of Crone, who we are, what we do, and why we do it. Join us every Friday on Lama365.com to catch the latest episode.
Now, our Farming Can campaign is showcasing how the industry can deliver rewarding careers. For those of us within the farming industry, we know how diverse, dynamic and forward-thinking it can be, and the wide array of roles available from finance to marketing, science to engineering and even fashion. The possibilities are endless. However, for those with no connection to agriculture, it might not seem so obvious and could seem impossible to break into. TV and radio presenter George Lamb's Grow Project is looking to connect school children to food production, nature and well-being. He caught up with Emily Ashworth to talk about the education system, the future of farming and how we can get children to think about farming as a career. Grow is very personal to you. Um, where did the idea for the project come from? I mean, the, the, the whole thing really started with me coming to the conclusion that if... Uh, you know, if we don't radically change our, our relationship with the natural world, and if we don't radically change our um, our behaviour, you know, to food systems, like we're, you know, I think we're in big trouble, yeah. basically. I know that's all a bit, you know, nobody likes the doom and gloom, but like that's the reality of the situation. Um, and whenever I, you know, like, you know, whenever you, whenever you see things about the polar ice caps melting and the Amazon being on fire and or Amazon being cut down and the forests over there being, you know, on fire. Um, it, uh, of course, it feels, you know, it's, it's a, you know, it's terrible, but it feels quite abstract. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that actually our best shot of turning things around is, you know, like irrespective of how much of a kind of like uh, 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 an urbanite you are, Every day, you, as you say, put clothes on your back and you put and you put food in your belly. You know, yeah. so you have a connection at that point. That's the kind of intersection where you're joining up with the natural world. Yeah. And if we can, you know, if if, if we can do, if we, you know, so in Grove's case, you know, if I can set up a program that actually, uh, you know, redefines that connection and gets you to understand where stuff comes from and how it all works, like that ultimately is only going to have a really positive effect on, on the kind of bigger picture. There's a lot of disconnect to farming and, and nature and a lot of misconceptions out there. How can we close that gap and provide that information for people? I think there is also a kind of value system, reorganising, reorganising, prioritising thing that needs to happen, you know? Like, um, we need to, you know, somehow... I don't know when it happened, but, you know, it's, and it happened to all of us, you know, and, 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 you know, like somehow we started to prioritize the food, the, the food that we put in our, uh, sorry, like the, uh, the, the, the shoes that we put or the brand of the shoes that we put on our feet yeah. and the brand of the phone that we have in our pocket and, you know, like the, you know, football team we support and, you know, whatever, like whatever it is or whatever it is, or the band that you're really into, we, we've started to prioritise all of that over the quality of the food that goes into our mouths. Yeah. And, like, none of those other things that I've just mentioned will keep you alive, you know? Yeah. And yet the food will, and for some, and some reason it's gone right down the pecking order, which is really peculiar. Yeah. And I don't know how we got there, but we did get there, and we need to like we've got to, we've got to try and sort that out because whilst it's you know number five on the list, we're in big trouble. You have said that you would like to see grow on the national curriculum or somehow integrate this sort of subject 
into the education system. How are you moving forward with that? What's the next step? The truth is, you know, although it feels like it's been going on quite a long time now, we're actually only two years old. Yeah. And, and, tw- and 12 months of that has been the last 12 months, yeah. the same as everybody else has had. So it's not been much of a, a second year, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we're probably two more years of kind of tinkering around with stuff, trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. Um, and 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 this is really, you know, I, I, you know our, our HQ is, is a pilot study, you know? We're just figuring out what what is going to resonate and then what's scalable and then what is, you know, like, because it's, it's um, you know, like, of course I can make something work in London because I've got access to literally, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, like a whole, re, you know, whatever, 8 million people, you know, just statistically I'm going to be able to find the people I need to fill the roles that I have, you know, but like, how am I going to, how am I going to be able to, 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 if, if everything becomes focused or dependent on the facilitator, how am I going to be able to exchange that same level of information in a in a in a in the furthest corner of the country in a real rural community? You know? mm-hmm. like it's, it's not it, it's not necessarily you know it's not become immediately obvious to me exactly how we do that. So yeah. um, we've got a couple of years of figuring out what's working and what's not working, and 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 then you know and as we're doing that. Um, you know, in, in tandem with us researching everything, like you know, doing proper impact reporting, so we so we can see quantifiably what works and what doesn't, as opposed to just like oh, you know, eight out of ten people felt better when they did that breathing exercise. You know, like yeah. let's let's see, you know, tangibly how it affects kids' academics because yeah. um, it will do. You know, and let's see how it affects attendance rates, and let's say, you know, see how it affects you know. Um, you know, ill days and all the rest of it, you know, mm. like it will, um, you know, there's, there's going to be a kind of wide ranging, you know, bunch of effects that, 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 that this, that Grow as a, as a program can have on a school. So, yeah, for me, really, it's the next couple of years just here, figuring it out, you know, and, 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 and shaping it and forming it. And, and at a certain point, I know, you know, like everything, like, you know, kind of when you're ready to take stabilizers off, you know, yeah. and at that point, we're part of, you know, we're, we're one of the, we're part of one of the big academy groups. So, you know, we've got 110 schools in our immediate network that we can, we can start with. And then, and then, and then, you know, and then if you can model something at 110 schools, I'm pretty sure you can, you you can get the Department for Education to take it on to the next step. We know that farming can provide a lot of diverse careers and perhaps careers that kids wouldn't necessarily associate with farming. How can we promote agriculture as an interesting career to the next generation and to those who are from non-farming backgrounds? We've got to show kind of viable, um, you know, sustainable routes to employment and, and not employment that's just uh, like kind of drudgery, basically. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, because nobody's like, nobody's looking at drudgery. I want to get in on that looks like I'm going to do for the next 25 years, you know, like, like there's, you know, like, like I, you know, I don't, I don't, my, you know, I'm sure it's probably my great grandparents would have been, you know, they would have been small holdings and, you know, my, I mean, my granddad, both my granddads used to grow food, but like one generation back from that, they probably grew, they grew the majority of their food, you yeah, know, really. and like, uh, you know, like, of course it's, you know, it's not, you know, there's, there's ebbs and flows with everything in life, you know, and it's not always pretty and it's tough and, uh, you know, the rest of it. But, like, there's, um, 
I don't know. There just doesn't seem to be loads of kind of role models that you're looking out to, thinking like that looks like a kind of viable alternative to, to like what I could be doing for a living, you know. And I think we need to start showing more of them and championing more of them. And 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 uh, you know, I think there's a big piece around. You know, this is like I know this is I know you've this is probably a small piece in your paper or whatever, but like so I'm going on a bit of a tangent. But like you know, food prices are illusory, you know. Yeah. Like it's not real. Yeah. Uh, it's all just popped up and it's nonsense. And so, like, when people go to farmers markets and they're like, how much does that thing cost? You know, like, none of those farmers are going off in Lamborghinis. You know, no, exactly. Like, yeah. That's what it costs. Like, mm. that's the price. And mm. you've just, we've all been, we've all been duped and we think the price is like, you know, a tenth of that because that's what the supermarkets are paying for. And it's just not real. The whole mm. thing's not real, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and as a result, of these like these illusory food prices, it means you know inevitably in any in any system it's the little guy who gets squeezed. So the people who are actually doing the work on the ground they get squeezed. Yeah. So then when you when you look out at like at, at, you know life in agriculture, you're like don't fancy that. I'm getting trodden on left, right, and centre. You know. Yeah. So so like how do you change that? Well, you know you've got to go and you've got to get people paying the right amount of money for food. Mm-hmm. And then if people are paying the right amount of money for food, then people can pay the right amount of money for staff. You know, if people are paying the right amount of money for staff, then the, the guy on the ground's, you know, feeling good about his life. And uh, and, and, and then and then he becomes a kind of, a, a, like, a, like, a, like a focal point for like, maybe I want to be like him or her. Within Grow, you mentioned that you talk about the future of farming. So what does the future of farming look like to you? It's, uh, it's, you know, it's animals and plants, you know, living in symb- or working in symbiosis to, to, you know, put really nutritious food on the plate and, 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 uh, and pack, you know, carbon into the soil, you know, mm-hmm. like that's, that's what, that's what it looks like to me. Yeah. Yeah. How do we now continue to educate children about farming and nature and food production? How can we keep that momentum going? You've got to, you know, kind of get them, you know, You've got to get them kind of hooked in on a day-to-day and, and, and here and, and, and getting into it, you know, and building a relationship with those things. And then naturally, you know, your natural, you know, kind of curiosity will take you. You're like, oh, I want to go and find out about, you know, how does that, you know, where does that actually work? Or where does that thing go, you know? And, yeah. and, and, and let's go and see a bigger scale of this, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I think I think our job is really just to put as much in, in front as, as possible as, as these kids and yeah. then... And then, and then let them almost kind of figure out where they want to go with it and um yeah you know there's a you know it's i don't know it's 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 kind of you know like there's so many amazing there's so many amazing kind of things going on in the world where you can take kids for a day and you stand and you walk around you're like this is great it's Mm -hmm. amazing look at this and then you just go back and you kind of get on the bus and you go home and like, oh, that was good, wasn't it? You know, yeah. like, obviously, you know, statistically, I'm sure, you know, like the odd kids, like, um, they, you know, it's stuck in my head for 20 years and that's why I do what I do now or whatever, you know, but, um, but most of them, I think you're just going, you just fall back into your old patterns. Yeah, so absolutely. I think, I think, I think, I think the first thing we got to do is try and break those patterns and, and we got to get, you know, you've got to kind of fish where the fish are, you know, yeah, I don't yeah. doubt for a minute taking a load of kids, you know, kids, you know, particularly little ones, go do lally about, you know, 
animals and tractors like that's mm-hmm. like it's you know like that's like you can put your house on that you yeah. know um but then you know we don't we've got a shortage of farmers so what what's happened where's what's happened in the middle you yeah. know yeah what is the one thing you would like the kids who get to be involved in this project what is the one thing that you'd like them to get from grow the whole thing's about connection really that's what yeah. it's about yeah so if you can if, if if you can get a better uh, or if you can have a better is a funny word but like if you can have a kind of deeper connection with anything as a result of grow I'll be happy yeah. you know okay. like if you understand a bit more who you are you understand a bit more about your emotions you understand a bit more where you came from you understand a bit more how you know how you relate and what your interaction is with with nature and the food you put in your body and you know, and, and, and how you move your body and just, you know, trying to, you know, I think there's, I think we're too, there's too many, you know, computers, there's no drones kicking about, basically. Well, that's it for this week. We hope that you've enjoyed the show. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss any new episodes. And don't forget to make sure you're following Farming Can on all your social media and use the hashtag Farming Can to tell your story. Until next week from us at FG, thank you for listening. We hope you stay safe and well, and goodbye for now.